Hey, hello and welcome to today's episode of Cracking Fitness. Today we were able to talk with Sheila Barden. She is a CrossFit Games athlete that has competed individually and also on a team. Also just an all-around good person. Such a great conversation with her today. It's short, but we do talk uh, about a lot of different things, one including kind of the mental side of injury. So today's episode is brought to you, this is a shameless plug, by Prevail Coaching, which is my coaching company where we help people just reach their fitness, wellness, and health goals. It's kind of the point of this podcast too is just interview people and figure it all out and we would love to help you out. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and please leave us a review, a positive one, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Bringing health, wellness, and fitness ideas right to your speakers with your host, Tyler Martin, learning from experts and average Joes alike. This is the Cracking Fitness Podcast. All right, so I hit record. How are you doing today, Sheila? Good. Um, it's almost my birthday, so that's good. Oh, I guess after this is probably posted, though, it'll already have been my birthday, huh? When's your birthday? Saturday. Saturday. Well, sometimes I get right on it and I uh, put all this together, so I'll try to get it out tomorrow. Listen, it's mine. It's not a big deal. I forget most of the time that it's almost my birthday, like. I'm not a big birthday celebrator anyway, so, but I was just, I think we're going to go, we were just planning, like, where we're going to go have dinner. That's, like, the extent of my birthday. Hey, that's okay. Food, if you can uh, plan food, planning food is always good, so. It's true. Well, that Sheila, is true. I really appreciate you coming on and just talking with us. You know, part of the idea with this podcast is just to try to get out to as many people as we can with average Joes and high-level athletes and professionals and maybe just stay-at-home moms. Like, it could be anybody, but the whole idea is to just help people understand health and wellness and fitness and just try to bring it to as many people as possible. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything, so that's why I want <laughs> the people like you and just get it all figured out. So I don't know everything either. Let's be clear about that. That's for sure. Well, I know we spent, we spent some time with you and your husband and I just, I so much enjoyed the time that we, when you guys were here, I just feel like I learned so much from you and you just have, you're the first person that has competed at a super high level that we've been able to talk to and interview. And so (laughs) I'm just excited about this. I feel like I always tell people, like, I'm a very normal person who's just really good at exercising for time. Like, everybody has one thing in their life that they get to be really good at or the best at. Like, you might be the best garlic chopper on the face of this earth and not even know it because there's no garlic chopping competition, right? So it's just that what I'm good at happens to be a well-known competition. Yeah. Well, it's definitely... uh very fun and a pleasure to watch you compete. Um, love your attitude, which later I want to talk a little bit about injury. And I actually believe that attitude has a lot to do with how we recover from injury. And so that's got to help you out. I don't think having a good attitude is ever a negative. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us what got you into all of this? Because you're obviously a high level athlete, um, just a good, well-rounded person. Uh, spending some time with you, you've just got a a good head on your shoulders. <laughs> so what, what got you into this? What made you want to do all of it? Honestly, I started CrossFit because I saw reruns of the 2011 CrossFit Games on ESPN. And long story short, um, I was watching it. 
and I had always wanted to be on ESPN since I was a little girl. I had dreams of being in the Olympics, but I was never good enough at any one sport to actually qualify for the Olympics. So I saw this on ESPN, and they were riding stationary bikes. They were going across monkey bars, and they were doing front squats. So it happened to be the Killer Cage event from 2011. And I looked at my husband, and I was like, I don't, I don't know why these girls get to be on TV, and I don't because I can do that. Like that's, I can do all of those things and I can do them as well as every single girl on TV right now. Um, so that's kind of literally how it just came about one Friday night. And then the following Monday morning, um, October 4th, I showed up at CrossFit DeWitt in Syracuse, New York. And at the time it was the only CrossFit gym in Syracuse. Um, I walked in and I told them I wanted to compete at the games and they pretty much laughed in my face as they should have. Um, and then the workout was five rounds. It had kettlebell swings, uh, burpees and tire flips in it. And they cut me off after three rounds into the workout because, um, I was probably going to hurt myself because I was moving pretty fast, um, with movements that I had never really done before. And, but I'd watched a lot of YouTube. So I knew in three yeah, days, yeah. I pretty much knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, and they sat me down afterward. They, they were like, well, how did you like it? And I just looked at them and said, all you need to know about me is tell me I can't do something and I'm going to say F you. Except I cussed at them. And uh, the owner text is who I actually cussed at. And, um, you know, from there, it just kind of became an obsession. It was no longer just like I wanted to be on ESPN. I wanted to win. I wanted... Um, I didn't want to just be on ESPN. I wanted to be really good. Um, I wanted all of these things that kind of progressed from one, one simple TV episode. That's awesome. So <laughs> how do you feel like the process was? Because it is, you know, there are some people that they might have like a natural talent or ability and, and I'm not saying you do or don't, but like, how was it going from kind of an everyday average person to being a high level athlete like how how was that um so it was a long process for me i'm not naturally talented at anything in crossfit um so it took me a long time to learn how to handstand walk it took me a long time to do muscle ups a long time to be able to squat heavy all of these things were just repetitions and literally years of working at it and I started October 2011. I qualified for my first regionals that following year. Um, in So it would have been after the Open ended in March 2012. I went to regionals and I finished 24th, 24th in the region in the Northeast. And um, that could have done one of two things to me. It could have either completely defeated me and been like, oh, well, I guess I'm never going to go to the games. I got to finish in the top three. I only finished 24th. Um, but instead, drove me to want to be better and then I just started training harder and harder um that year 2012 I gave up drinking I decided that was no longer um needed to be part of my life if I wanted to excel um at competing in CrossFit I ended up herniating a disc in January 2013 still placed 10th that year at regionals and then um, went back and fought harder and harder and harder and finally qualified out of the Northeast region in 2014. Um, and I remember very vividly, I remember that night after I qualified for my first games, I didn't sleep. 
I went back and watched every single um, event over and over and over on repeat on the game site. I like I was looking up stats that meant nothing at the time. I just because I couldn't sleep. Um, it was pretty much a dream come true. It was everything that you think that reaching a goal that you've been working at for two and a half years, which for a lot of people isn't a really long time. So I like to put that out there. Like I got into CrossFit at a really great time, like a time when you could become really good really fast because a lot of the girls still hadn't developed all of the skills. So girls were still qualifying for the games, only being able to do a couple of muscle ups at a time or only snatching 125 or 135 pounds, right? So I just got in at a really good time. And then I've always since then been able to stay one step ahead of either everybody who was below me or the new people that are coming into the sport. And so um, I think that it was, you don't really go from an everyday person to um, like this competitive athlete overnight. That doesn't just happen. It yeah. takes years. And for me, reaching that goal was a high, like an adrenaline high that has never been matched again. So re-qualifying for the games in 2016, even though I won the central regional, right? So after now that we've combined regions, regions are technically harder because you're combining two regions. I win, win, outright win the central regional in 2016. The high was not as good as the 2014 high. Um, won the regional in the South this year with team don't stop again, the high wasn't there. So it's, um, a really strange feeling because I've never been able to match the high. Um, I set the world record in nasty girls B2. That high was not the same as qualifying for the first games. Like it's just, it's an un, it's, I can't describe in words, the feeling of reaching a goal, um, that I had set that I didn't really think was possible. Yeah, like a healthy drug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, and the crash is just as much as you would expect because in 2015, when I didn't qualify for the CrossFit Games, um, after qualifying in 2014, um, I don't think I've ever been de as depressed as I was the following three or four weeks after that region. I've never felt a low as low as I did in 2015, and I've never felt a high as high as. I did in 2014. Okay. So as you're saying that, something that's popping through my head is just taking this to kind of the everyday person, the importance of knowing, you know, you had a goal from the beginning and you were willing to let that take years to happen. And that's where I think someone who's new to fitness or maybe their eyes are being opened to wellness in general also need to know that we can't just start today and become Sheila Barden tomorrow. Like, we need to know that this may take years and that's okay. Yeah. You have to be willing to accept that whether the goal is to own a home or your goal is to make it to the CrossFit Games or your goal is to finish your master's degree, whatever that is. And all of these things come up in your life, all of these excuses. Well, oh, but it's my best friend's birthday and I want to go drink with them. Or, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant and now I still want to try and take classes to finish this master's degree. Or uh, whatever, oh my gosh, there's this medical bill. I just had back surgery. Oh my God, how am I going to pay for this and afford a, a, a house that I want to buy, right? All of these things are going to come up in your life. And so instead of taking 
a month or a year. Maybe it takes five years, right? Maybe it takes seven years or 10 years. Maybe it literally takes you an entire lifetime and that's okay. Like you have to be, if you set a goal that high, you have to be okay with failing over and over and over again and still never giving up. I really like that. Yeah. And I think that's just applicable to people like you and applicable to everyday people like me. Just it can take time and that time also builds character, right? So we don't Absolutely. want to look at this as, hey, I need to lose 15 pounds and all of a sudden I've reached my goal. No, it's the failure that builds who we are. So I like that. Now, speaking of character building and becoming of who, who we are, you said you herniated a disc and I know you've had a few injuries through the year. <laughs> so yeah. something I wanted to get into with you a little bit is just talking about those injuries, not only how you overcame them physically, but also emotionally and mentally and just kind of the, the full spectrum. You can just start spewing on about it. And I, I think that it's good for people to hear because you'll have an everyday person who walks into a gym and they may, they may slightly injure their shoulder or they might have some lower back pain that they never knew about. And psychologically this hurts people because they're like, I just can't do it. I can't become better because I have my shoulder injury. And so go. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll start with the fact that I am very klutzy. I am very injury prone. Um, and it's not just the small injury, like, oh, I stubbed my toe. That happens to me daily. Like, that doesn't even count anymore. That is just life. Um, but I've, I've had some pretty serious injuries throughout uh, my CrossFit career. I herniated the disc back in 2012. I was able to actually rehab through that um, without uh, too much delay, right? It probably set me back. Um, there's a good chance I might have qualified in 2013 for my first games. Um, everything happens for a reason, so I didn't qualify in 13. Um, and then 14, I did qualify. So that was great. Um, then in 2017, leading up to regionals, probably about two weeks before, um, I <laughs> tore my supraspinatus 75% off the bone, put a, um, hole in my labrum and I had complete arthrosis up in my AC joint. So my shoulder, my left shoulder was just really jacked up. Um, I still competed in the 2017 regionals. Um, some people might tell me I'm really stupid for that. I knew more or less that I couldn't really injure my shoulder anymore. I had already talked to a specialist. Um, I knew going in that the chances of me qualifying that year were pretty low. I finished seventh. I mean, I can't really be mad about that considering the top five went. I went out there. I gave it my all. I think the reason that the low in 2017 of not qualifying for, qualifying for the 2017 CrossFit Games wasn't as low as the 2015 CrossFit Games is because in 2015, I honestly felt like I was robbed of my spot. And in 2017, I just wasn't good enough, right? Injury or not, I just wasn't good enough that year. Um, and I had kind of grown as a person, right? From 2012, when I first started CrossFit up to 2017, I'd grown realizing that a lot of these things I could control, but a lot of these things I couldn't control. So I gave it my all, um, didn't qualify. And then rehab went through extensive, extensive six months of rehab, three days a week, three hours a day, um, all the way up until December, 2017, when I moved down to Houston, Texas, joined team don't stop. Um, and ended up 
on June 14th was the first day that I actually started feeling back pain. And I was like, huh, but it wasn't actually back pain. It was more um, SI joint. So kind of like lower side of the back, um, more towards your glute, things about it that way. Um, I started feeling a little pain there and it just progressively got worse and worse. I knew by about, mm, I would say probably the first or second week in July that I was in, in some serious pain that I was more than just um, like having muscle soreness or tightness or um, like something was sprained. I knew something was seriously wrong. Um, and again, people might call me stupid. I chose to compete anyway. Um, I more or less knew that I couldn't really do much worse to my back. I didn't get the MRI until after um, the games, but I talked to a few specialists and I knew that my back was jacked. Um, I ended up having an 18 millimeter herniation at my L5 S1. Um, so from the Sunday night of the CrossFit Games when they ended this year, um, up until I had surgery on September 4th, I was what I like to call a non-functioning human. Um, I couldn't cook meals for myself. I couldn't drive. Um, I couldn't go up and down stairs. I really couldn't walk. Um, swimming was out. Um, sitting was terrible. Laying was terrible. Standing was terrible. Um, really, there was no comfortable position for me to be in. Um, it got really. I would say that month was the most mentally draining um, of any month that I've had in CrossFit. Even more so than the lowest um, low that I felt in 2015. And it was just because I was non-functioning. Like I'd gone from this elite level athlete, right? We finished six at the games. Um, people are emailing me, texting me. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. You did so good. All these things. Like you can't believe you're sixth in the world, all this stuff. And literally all I'm thinking in my head is I, I can't move. I can't like, I can't function. I can't grocery shop for myself right now. Like how, how am I going to um, explain to people that there's a chance that I never compete again, right? I have all these people who are telling me, I can't wait until you guys compete next year. It's going to be awesome. You're going to do even better, all this stuff. And in the back of my head, I haven't told anyone how bad my back is. Um, and that's really draining to like be able to like kind of keep that into yourself and not really talk about it. So at this point, I've seen two different pain management specialists. Um, I've been to a couple PTs. A Rosti has seen me like four, day, or four days a week, like basically every day. Um, trying to just figure out anything. I've had an epidural at this point, which actually made things worse. Um, and finally, I get in with the surgeon, the specialist, a spine surgeon. And he's like, um, yeah, Sheila, you, you have really like basically exploded your back. And I was like, uh, I don't really know what that means. And he's like, you destroyed your disc. And I was like, yeah, but I mean, like that'll heal, right? Like, so I herniated a disc back in 2012. This will all heal. It'll be fine. Um, and he's like, mm, no, that's not really how this works. And I was like, okay, but tell me like, what's the chance, right? What's the percentage chance that I don't get the surgery and I still get better? And he was like, yeah, no, like less than 1%. Oh, wow. And I was like, ooh, ooh, we're, that's, that's pretty bad. That's real low. And he was like, I can't tell you what to do. Um, and you can go get a second opinion if you want. But I'm telling you 
that, um, in my professional opinion, this is one of the worst uh, disc herniations that I've seen. And um, the earliest I can get you into the OR is, this is on Thursday, is next Tuesday as long as your insurance approves it. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, I guess next Tuesday it is. Like, well, yeah. that's, so the Tuesday after Labor Day, I was, um, I was under the knife. And it was weird because I was more scared going into shoulder surgery than I was back surgery. Um, I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people were like, oh, yeah, Sheila, you'll be fine after surgery. It's totally, it's totally good. You'll actually feel so much better. Like, the pain's going to be gone. The, um, you're going to be able to function again. And I was like, sweet. You know what? Let's do this. You know what? This is great. I've been warned. You know, Sheila, it's going to – it's a lot of rehab again, but you know, you should be crossfeeding again in about six months. I'm like, you know what? I've, I've done six months on my shoulder. Like I can do this again. This isn't, this is no, no issue. I go into surgery. Um, I, they've got me all jacked up on all kinds of meds. So I feel great 24 hours <laughs> after surgery. I'm like, this is awesome. Pain meds start to wear off about 24 hours after surgery. And I'm like, my, my foot is literally, it's like, feels like it's asleep, but I like, so I like changed positions. I was like, this is weird. I can't, I can't feel my foot or my right calf. I was like, it's like, literally like I have no feeling. They're completely numb. Just, just numb. Um, and I actually don't have feeling back in my right foot yet. So this has been a little over four months and, um, my right foot is still numb. I, the numbness in my calf comes and goes. Um, Basically, what had happened was when they got in for surgery, they found that the herniation was so bad that I had completely flattened my S1 nerve root on the right side. So um, it was basically a non-functioning nerve at this point. Um, too much longer, and I would have caused severe damage, like probably never um, gotten strength back in my calf. I failed most of the EMG tests before surgery on my right calf. So, um, hopefully that will all come back, but there's no guarantees. Um, and then on the left side, I completely compressed it. So it was on its way to being smashed, but, um, luckily it had not been completely flattened like the right side yet. So that's where most of my debilitating pain was coming from was both the fact that the S1 nerve roots, the sciaticas, um, were completely compressed and the right side was flattened. So it, um, I was like, oh, that'll be fine. It'll go away in like a week. You know, so a few people had mentioned that they, their, their feet were numb or their legs were numb or a certain part was numb. That'll go away. And then it was a week later and then it was two weeks later. And then I'm at my three week checkup with the surgeon and I'm like, this isn't, this doesn't feel good. They put me on a, a new nerve medication um, cause I'm now, not only is my foot and my calf numb, um, but I'm now again in pain, not, um, I was in before surgery. I was, I would say it was a level 10, easy level 10 pain. Um, and after surgery, it was like a level seven, eight pain. So it wasn't, it was better. I could function. I could actually drive myself to the grocery store. Um, but I was still in a lot of pain. So I um, 
they put me on a new nerve medication. Uh, they put me on another, another pain medication. I'm like, okay, you know what? This will all be fine. It'll be, it'll be good. Um, I go back in for my six week checkup and I'm like, yeah, it's literally gotten no better at this point. I'm doing PT a couple days a week. Um, I'm trying to do some training on my own, um, basically stationary bike and squats to a really, not even seat level, like a high bench level. Um, and they're like, yeah, you, you're going to need another epidural. And I'm like, you don't understand. The first epidural, um, I bawled my eyes out for an hour and a half after the epidural. And it made the pain so bad for the next 48 hours that I literally couldn't walk myself to the bathroom. Like I couldn't, I literally couldn't get myself off the couch. Like people had to lift me off the couch and take me to the bathroom. I'm like, I don't want another epidural. They're like, well, um, we're not going to give you a second MRI until you get this second epidural. And I was like, I just want the MRI. Like, why? I just want to see my back. Maybe it's perfectly fine. Maybe this is all normal. Maybe it's just some leftover inflammation from surgery. And maybe we're all good, but maybe we're not. Like, I just want the MRI. Um, so I say, fine. I get the epidural. Um, I get about, I would say I got about a week of relief, about a week of pain relief. The numbness was still there. Um, but I got about a week of pain relief. And then it came back. Um, instead of a level seven, eight, it was probably a level six, seven. So it'd gone down like a little bit. Um, finally I requested another MRI. I got my second post-op MRI. Um, it came back mostly clean I'm actually really happy. Um, there's still a small bulge, but very, very small. It's not compressing either one of the S ones. Um, so this is good news, right? So now all of this, after my brain has played tricks on me for the last, well, now we're going on at that point, what, 10 weeks, 11 weeks. Um, now that I, all of this has happened. Oh no, it would have been a little more than that. I'm sorry. It was probably about 14 weeks post-op. Um, cause we're at 16 now. So, um, after my mind's played all these tricks on me and it's told me like, uh, you literally all I did for the first four weeks after surgery was stationary, but, and so, like, I'm like, but I played these tricks on my, I'm like, you, you screwed up. Like you did something you weren't supposed to do after surgery. You re herniated this disc. Like you're never going to be out of pain. I'm like, all these things are going through my brain. Um, sorry. Oh, you're, you're totally fine. Um, all these things have, are going through my brain because I'm still in pain. And I'm not supposed to still be in pain. I know three other people who have had this same surgery, microendoscopic disectomy, L5S1, and they're all fine. They're all good. They can all function again. They're all, they're all back in CrossFit. Um, and so I just, I was like, I, I screwed. I screwed up. I did it like, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, but like I said, the MRI has come back pretty clean. I'm actually really happy about that. Um, small bulge, not a big deal. Um, my hip came back clean. We thought maybe there was some kind of pinch in my hip, which was maybe causing the pains to still go down my leg. Hip came back completely clean, which I'm really happy about. Um, and there's just a little bit of inflammation left. So that could take another, who knows, month, two months, six months um, for that to go away. And hopefully then the numbness in my foot goes away. Point of all of this, right? Um, injuries will do really crazy things to you, right? Um, so I have felt every extreme of emotion in the last um, four months that you can possibly feel. So post-op elation, 
right? Oh my God, everything's great. I'm gonna get back to lifting. This is gonna be great. You know what? The, the new 2009 format or 2019 format, I can, I don't have to compete until May. I can still get my spots at the games. We're good. Everything's good. Um, to, holy shit. I don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to walk right again, let alone lift. Um, to really good days where I'm like, oh man, like, yeah, okay. I think I can go run a mile to, um, I don't think I can get off the couch today. Um, and that's hard to ping pong. Yeah back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and yet somehow still at the end of the day be like you know what it's gonna be okay it's gonna be fine and in the last four months I've definitely realized that like I for the last seven years of my life I have identified myself as Sheila Barden the CrossFit athlete right instead of realizing like I'm a lot more than that that's that's one of my goals in life Right. And it's still a goal. Do I want to go back to the games and compete again? Yeah. A hundred percent. Like that is always a goal. Whether that's 2019 or 2020 or 2021, whenever I'm healthy enough again to compete, um, I will compete again. That's just, that's who I am. It's in my blood. It's this fire that doesn't go away. Um, but I'm also so much more than that. Right. Like there's so many other things that I want to do in my life that I put off for a really long time. Um, I essentially stopped traveling after I qualified for my first game, except for competitions and for um, sponsors, right? So I, I pretty much stopped something that I really love, which is exploring and adventuring. Um, I stopped doing what I would consider like dangerous sports, right? So I stopped snowboarding. I stopped water skiing. I stopped all these things that I was like, well, one wrong move and I might ruined my shoulder. Oh, look, well, I ruined my shoulder anyway. Um, so I stopped doing things that I've always really loved my entire life because I didn't want it to affect this one goal that I have. And I kind of forgot about all these other goals and these other dreams, um, and these other things that I have and that I am. So, um, it's been kind of like, almost re-enlightening the last four months, again, going through this roller coaster of emotion um wanting to be back on the competition floor but also also wanting to sorry dog no you're fine no dog mom you're totally fine go outside okay go outside okay bye bye (laughs) um but also wanting to be you know go back and and be all these other things that i forgot about and it reminded me that it's okay to have more than one goal at a time. And sometimes those goals are going to interfere with each other. Um, and just reminding yourself what, what is most important right now, right? What's going what's gonna to make it so that I am happy tonight and tomorrow and a month from now. And um, training and competing might be like, okay, that'll make me happy right now but if i can't walk when i'm 40 years old that's gonna be pretty life-changing pretty bad um and i'm not gonna be real happy when i'm 40. so i'm kind of trying to balance right now what what's important right now but also what's important long term um and i'm trying to remind myself daily which is really hard um that i'm more than 
Sheila Barden, the CrossFit athlete, right? There's, I'm so much more than that. Um, and it's hard because so many people, that's all they know me as, right? They don't know me as anything else. Um, and that's often because they just know me through social media. And I am very protective of the things that I love the most. So on social media, you rarely get my best friends. You never get my husband. You rarely get my dogs. Um, you don't ever get my family, right? You don't get things that I love. You don't get my hobbies and my activities outside of CrossFit. Um, and that's because for me, being a CrossFit athlete um, has turned into like, in, not like, it, it is a job, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I love my job and I would never change it for the world. But just like um, a police officer goes home at night and you don't know if he goes to his son's baseball game or if he goes home and watches a football game or whatever he yeah. does in his, his spare time, um, you don't get to have all those pieces of me because I, it just feels, I don't know, it feels like I would be, if I lose myself completely, um, I don't, it would be hard. I don't know. I wouldn't, it just wouldn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And from, from a, that's your job standpoint and people, yeah, you just don't want them as, as part of that. That totally makes sense to me. So yeah, it's yeah. just, um, I don't know. It just feels, I don't, because I guess because I don't put people on pedestals, like there's no celebrity or athlete or person um, that I put on such a high pedestal that they're untouchable. Yeah. Right? And so um, it's hard for me to imagine that someone would put me on that pedestal. Like, oh my gosh, this person is untouchable. This person is whatever. Like I want to be relatable, but I want that to be someone who actually meets me and knows me yeah. um, instead of the whole world. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I want some kind of privacy in my life, I guess. No, that makes complete sense. And I mean, taking it even like to the injury standpoint, like people, people look at this and they go, well, she's Sheila. And so she's a CrossFit Games athlete. So it might be easier for her to come back. But like, you have the same, you go through the same thing as everybody else, right? There's probably oh, some yeah. denial and some grief and then acceptance and, and yeah, so I think everyone, like the everyday person can take what you've gone through in all of your different injuries and surgeries and all of that, and just kind of relate that into their own life. Working out at the gym and having a shoulder injury doesn't mean that we can't go work out at the gym anymore. It just means we might need to work out differently. And if the, if your shoulder and the gym are what define you, we might want to look a little bit deeper into your life and see what actually defines you. Because if your shoulder is now, now I'm not Tyler because I have a shoulder injury, there might be some deep-seated stuff that we need to work on. Yeah. And it's funny because I end up, um, my best friends always end up being people who have experiences that are similar to mine. So um, they've set a goal, they've accomplished their goal, and then something has happened in their life that has made it so that this um, goal is no longer attainable at the moment. So um, one of my best friends won 
uh, season 29 of Survivor and crushed it just like, I don't know, I think she dominated the show. Wins a million dollars. All this stuff. Awesome. Cool. Then um, was back in the gym training at a CrossFit gym and bless her soul, was squatting, went down to tie her shoe, ties her shoe, and then stands up and knocks her head into the back of the barbell mm. and gives herself a concussion, okay? So this is like her fifth, I don't know, it's a lot of concussions in her lifetime. She played rugby in college, all of these things. Um, and now she goes from being someone who I can call and talk to for an hour a day, no issues, to someone who won't return my phone calls, to someone who is gone so deep into um, this concussion, her brain is so whacked out um, that she's sleeping all the time. She doesn't want to be around people. She can't, she, nothing makes her happy, literally because her brain is jacked because of this concussion. Um, and she went from being, you know, Natalie Anderson, the, survivor, the winner of Survivor, to someone who who's, can't function on a daily basis. Um, and so watching her rehab through that at the same time that I was rehabbing through my shoulder injury, um, actually made us stronger, right? Tighter together yeah. being like, okay, you know what? Like we were friends long before you won survivor and we were friends long before you went to your first CrossFit games. We were friends before you were Natalie Anderson, the survivor winner and Sheila Barton, the CrossFit games athlete, like somehow we're both going to survive this. Like those are pieces of us. Like those are little, and for a while they felt like everything. They felt like that was all of us. And then one thing in your life happens and you're like, okay, I'm more than that. But the problem is too many people think like I'm this. And then that's taken away from them. It's snatched away. And then they're, they're like, I have to start from square one. No, no, no. You're just, and now we're just building another layer yeah. on top of, who you already are like yeah. all those experiences are still with you and you're still an amazing person you're still all of that that you said you were before but now you get to be something else too you can yeah. be even something cooler like you have more stories and you're more relatable to people um i love coaching because my other best friend aaron right now has this wrist injury that has been just like life-shattering to her She's like, she like, can't even lift up a barbell. I was like, Aaron, I understand. I got this back thing, you know, I don't know if you remember, but I can't really do anything either. Um, and so it's been really fun because now she comes over and trains with me every single day at my home gym. Um, and we're learning together, like that we're more than a number on the bar. Yeah. And it's really hard for so many of us just because life is life it's so easy to be defined by one moment. And so we're like, oh my gosh, I had the best birthday ever this year. This on all these things happened. And like, and for the next year you define all this and then your birthday comes around and your best friend forgets that it's your birthday that day. Right. And then you're like, oh my God. And your life is shattered. Right. And that's just, it has nothing to do with fitness. It's just like, you're like, oh my God, my best friend forgot it was my birthday. Like she doesn't even love me. She doesn't even care about me. And that's not true. Like, so many things in life happen, but you're holding on to the last year's birthday party so tight that you're like, oh my God, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. And now because you had such a great experience, you're like this next time that it doesn't happen, you're so let down instead of being like, I still had that great experience last year. 
and it's not defining anything in the future. I can still have like hold on to this great experience from before. Um, and now we just get to build something else, something different. Yeah. Um, next time. Yeah. No, I really like that. Um, I know we're cutting it short on time. I know you've got another. I know, I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. I could talk about this forever. I love hearing more side, and I love when you say something, then I, I'm kind of processing all of this in my mind. <laughs> to get it. But no, you're just fun to talk to. Um, so really, I think the big takeaway for me from all of this is that we can't let injury define us. Um, yeah. we, and we you can't let so one life experience define you either. Sorry, can you say that again? You can't let one life experience define oh, yeah. you either. Just like yes, one injury doesn't define you, one success doesn't define you. One failure yeah. doesn't define you. I like that, absolutely. So we just need to know that we are, we are more. We're, we're more than that, whether it's a success or a failure. Exactly. I like that. And it's okay. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be happy. And it's okay to feel every emotion in between. And we all experience that. We all feel that. So if you, uh, something happens and you're like, oh my gosh, this is life ending. This is devastating. Know that everyone feels that, right? And I have to remind myself that a lot. Like there have been so many times in the last four months that I'm like, no one else understands this. No, how could anyone else even understand yeah. how I'm feeling right now? And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, I did the same exact thing when I had shoulder surgery. Like, yeah. everyone who's, everybody is experiencing these things, whether it's inside or outside of a gym, um, whether it's has to do with your work or your family or your friends, the gym, whatever that is, I promise, I promise, we're all going through those range of emotions, um, whether that's daily, weekly. Um, but we've all, we've all felt that we've all been there and we can, we can all make it through. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Sheila. I really do appreciate your time. Um, I, let's do this again. I mean, if, if you'd like Sounds to, I'd love, to uh, yeah. love to chat some more, um, but thank you. And if people want to find you, learn more about you, where, where can they find you? Uh, the easiest places on Instagram. So Perfect. at Sheila underscore Sue, um, my Facebook page isn't very active. I don't know. I feel like people are kind of fading away from Facebook, but Sheila Barden on Facebook. Um, those are the well, two best places to if start. You your, if you keep your Facebook low and we remain friends on it, then I feel more like, like we're more friends than <laughs> so it's all good. True. So, uh, you, you should keep your Facebook low key and then no, yeah. I'm just kidding with you. Fair. That's totally yeah. fair. Perfect. Um, I've followed you on, on Instagram for a while. Honestly, if people should follow you on there. It's just inspiring. I, your posts are awesome. You're always oh, thank you. good words of wisdom to everybody. So I, I know that I appreciate it and I'm sure all of your followers appreciate it as well. So thank really, you, Tyler. Thanks for your time today, Sheila. And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye.